What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 28 of the Connor, but I mean the Bletton Boozin on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe. Sorry, got Connor Bedard on the brain, but welcome in, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining the show. Um, it's going to be an absolutely great one as we cover Saturday at Woodbine, five graded stakes races. Sadly, they're not all in a row for a graded stakes pick five, but we have you covered on every single stakes race from Can- from Toronto, Canada this weekend. Like I said, welcome in, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the show. And Howard, Howard took your words right out of my mouth. The Connor Bedard show. I mean, betting and boozing. Absolutely go Hawks, Howard. I There's something in me for some odd reason that I thought, you know, something or I was going to go and they weren't going to pick him. There's realistically no way you couldn't have picked that guy. I'm extremely excited for what's to come for Chicago hockey. So Howard, again, thanks to the boss for joining the show. Penn State Scott, thought Charlie would be at the draft tonight. My Flyers took Ovi at the seven. <laughs> hey, Penn State Scott, you know, the Flyers the Flyers and the Hawks have some uh, have some history together. But uh, thanks so much for joining the show, Penn State Scott. Greatly appreciate it. Jim Pilar says, great night for Chicago hockey. Gretzky-like when it's all said and done. I agree with you, Jim. Again, just the way that the kid's been playing in the WHL. I'm extremely excited to see what he has to bring to the NHL. Jim, thanks so much for joining the show. Michael Austin says, hello. Thanks so much for joining the show, my friend. Christine Race, hello, Cappers. Let's find some winners. Absolutely, Christine. Thanks so much for joining the show. Jim Pollard's. <laughs> Just sneaking into the low. I didn't never snook. I never snuck into the OTB. I just went to Arlington and uh, maybe <clears throat> made my bets myself. But that's my. That's don't worry about it. It's fine. The place is gone now at this point. It's not that big of a deal. But um, Christine Race. That's that's a great story. At seventeen, she was grooming a first stakes horse. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Obviously, that goes into grooming these horses. So Christine, just another thing to add to your admirable resume. So Christine, thanks again for joining the show. Richard Avalar. Good evening. Uh, how was your pick five at Canterbury on Wednesday? It was not. We covered the late the three uh, three races leading into the Canterbury Derby. The show went absolutely amazing. Uh, we loved everything that turned out. And Team Kyle took home the dub in the uh, $100 HHH hit and split in the contest. So congrats to all of you. Uh, congrats to Terry Frank, actually, who I wanted to shout out again on this show. As um, I, I actually, I greatly apologize, but uh, he or she donated the $50 that they won to, um, to a horse charity. I can, it's slipping my mind the exact one, but thank you so much, Terry, for that. It's, um, it's an absolutely great honor to you, um, won the contest and then sent it over to horses in need. So Terry, again, congratulations. Greatly appreciate it. But uh, TF, great show. Thanks so much for the kind words, my friend. I saw you join first time for Canterbury, I believe. But thanks again for coming back. Greatly appreciate it. Joseph Lawson says, cheers, fellas. Tell Charlie happy birthday. No hangovers. Just cheers, guys. Hey, cheers to you, my friend. And TJ Bauer. Uh, she, TJ, um, she's Sophie Doyle is pregnant. Uh, she is not, she's had the baby and the baby, I think is nearing its first birthday now. So she's still doing her motherly duties, but, um, Arlington legend, uh, Sophie Doyle. So I'm glad she's going to be back to, uh, back soon. But guys, like I said, we're going to get into a pretty quick here. I'm just going to go over real quick. Um, the, um, the peripherals before we go into it, if you are new or just find yourself coming back and you aren't subscribed, please go down below and hit subscribe. It helps us out tremendously. And while you're down there, smash that like button as it sends out um, 
sends this show out into the YouTube algorithm to hopefully get more people like you guys watching this show. So if you could, that would be greatly appreciated. If you're more of an audio listener, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Those are the three main platforms that we not only post this show every day or every week, but the, every other show that we do on the HHH Racing Podcast. Again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And guys, let me tell you something. This is going to be my last thing, and then we'll move in to um, – to the pick five, the power picks. If you are not subscribed yet, you are extremely, extremely missing out. Cause guys, not only did we have another amazing week last week, but this is two weekends in a row that Howard has given out at least two spot play winners at three to one or higher. So guys, you are completely missing out. And I'm just want to show here a little bit of what you guys are missing out. So these are the power picks that Howard sends out every single, um, every single week. You give spot plays, ABC pick five grids, and all this analysis. Um, this was Thistledown, his play of the day at Thistledown, La De- Le Davida at nine to two. This horse actually went off at five to two. But um, if I bring that up here, you can see this was the winnings. Howard gave out the winning pick five um, at a $42 ticket and an $84 ticket for $540.50. Uh, Fair and Square came in. At four to one or three to one for the power pigs. Leda Vita came in, like I said, at five to two. And then at Canterbury Park, which was an extra power picks that no one um, that wasn't on the original schedule, but was sent out to you guys anyway. And he gave out high front at two to one and the pick three hit for $56 hit for $180.10. So, guys, if you aren't subscribed, go on right now to patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast and become a subscriber today. Because if you're not, you are missing out. And then if you want to see any of those previous editions of the power picks or just learn more about us, go to our great website, hhhracingpodcast.com. But guys, like I said, this is going to be rapid fire today, but we do have a very special guest as Patrick is out tonight. He is at, uh, he got stuck at work doing a late game, so he will not be on, but I do have my normal, I will never say these two words uh, together. I was going to say Ohio State brethren, but that is not how this works around here. But to the man from Ohio State University, Charlie Freeman, and welcome to our our guest who's coming on his first podcast, Noah. I think it's Maher. Am I right with that? Uh, it's Maher. Maher. I, I literally looked up. So much. <laughs> I should have just asked you. But Noah Maher, Noah Welcome to the show, my friend. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you to kind of get these people to know more about you, but just kind of explain who you are and how you got into horse racing. Yeah, okay. So uh, I'm Noah. Um, just finished my first year at uh, University of Kentucky. Um, just like uh, Ohio State, there's no drinking there. Uh, <laughs> None, absolutely. Mark that down. Yeah, yeah. put that Not in the history books. Yeah. Um, just finished my first year. Um, I'm originally from California, so it kind of made – quite a ways uh, to go to college, um, but I wanted to go out there because I'm interested in working in the horse racing industry. Um, I actually had a job shadow in April at the Keeneland meet with Caleb Keller, so I got to see what he did, kind of followed him around. Um, he did a lot of interviews and stuff, so I got to find out a lot about what he does and meet some some of the talent um, on TVG, and that was really cool. That was also actually the same day that I met you and Howard, so was that, was say, a, yeah. that was a hell of a day, but uh, <laughs> other than that, that's pretty much what i'm about of course of course we were the highlight of that day right not you know oh, yeah. meeting everyone from tvg meeting two random guys from the internet was of course the uh 
the highlight of your day. But yeah, Noah, again, he's a great young handicapper. And like I said, he's aspiring to work in the horse racing industry. So we're very, uh, we're very happy that he's joining us on the show because Patrick finds other stuff that's more important, apparently, than being on Betting and Boozing at Wednesday nights. But again, Noah, thanks so much for joining the show, my friend. He's going to be handicapping all five races with us. And at Woodbine, that starts in race number five um this week it's five and then seven through ten so if you have those pps in front of you get them out as we're going to be going over them pretty quickly here but guys i want to go over um a few more comments before we get into it but at the boss like i said the boss speaks you listen power picks teeps you has been on fire what are you waiting for that's exactly what i'm saying howard see that's why i want to bring those up you make the boss happy so howard i agree uh christine race very clear and easy to nail pick five not only a pick five and the pick three at Canterbury. So Howard's been on fire with the with the vertical, not only the verticals, but the horizontals as well. Christine, thanks again. Brad Anderson, good evening. Glad to get great insight. Thanks so much, my friend. I greatly appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you pretty soon. I don't I don't know if you're going to Saratoga, but I'm I booked my Breeders' Cup flight and hotel. So I'm extremely excited to get to see you guys again. So Brad, thanks so much for doing the show, my friend. Um and then who else we got? Joseph Lawson, nice plays. Howard is an awesome handicapper. Yeah, don't boost that ego too much. He's okay. He's okay. But he gives out good plays to you guys. Um, I'm just kidding. Of course, Howard's a great handicapper, and he puts out really great stuff on the power pick. So, again, patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. Penn State Scott, resonate exactly. Wine spritzer for all those Ohio State people. They don't drink beer. They don't drink liquor. They drink wine, and they sit out on the – on the deck and have a nice time watching their football team lose. But I, um, <laughs> just, sorry, Charlie, a little too much. I'll, I'll give it to you, but you know, I got to give you some crap at least sometimes. Um, but Sylvain, thanks so much for doing the show. What might my dance Saturday? The air was really bad today. Expected you had for a few more days. Yeah, I did see that. I got to keep your fingers crossed. Cause um, in Chicago today and yesterday, it was really bad as well. Hopefully the wind shifts or something along those lines. But obviously, while the horses are still going on, we're going to cap them. But Sylvain, thanks so much for doing the show. But cheers to everybody out there as we get into this these five stakes races at Woodbine on Saturday. The first race is the grade three marine stakes. It is for three-year-olds going mile and a 16th on synthetic. As everyone knows, Woodbine does not have a dirt track. It is a synthetic surface on the tapita and we don't have any morning lines. And that's the one thing is these PPs literally just came out. Um, oops, I hit F12 on accident. My fault guys. Um, these PPs literally just came out at about four 30. Okay. I'm okay. No, we're good. Um, sorry. Got a little bit of technical difficulties going on here, but these PPs literally came out at like 5 PM central time. And I'm not sure if you guys know, but this show starts at 8 PM central time. So we did go through it a little bit quick. I will preface that, but um, and we have no morning lines. I'm not that I handicap morning lines anyway, but I know you guys like to see them. But just wanted to preface that as we go in. But in this race, undeniably, I think at least the morning line, the favorite will be Turf King for Kazashi Kimura and Chad Brown. Chad brings a lot of these big days. Chad likes to bring some horses up to. Well, they might 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 not be his best crap crop. I said crap. Crop a lot of the time. Uh, Turf King is definitely a really nice one. As I bring up the banners for the picks, we are all going with the number five Turf King in this spot. Noah, again, as you are 
the beautiful guest, I'm going to let you go first. What did you kind of see in Turf King and what, what brought you to put this horse on top? Yeah, you know, I wanted to start it. I wanted to start it off with a horse that wasn't super obvious, um, but I just think this horse kind of classes up to the field. Um, he took nice, he took uh, to the synthetic really nicely down at Goldstream uh, on that maiden race on um, February 16th. Um, and uh, I'm kind of a sucker for horses that run uh, Keeneland, especially the spring meet. I was there a lot. Um, however, I feel like there were other spots that Chad could have pointed this horse to, but I just think this horse is much the best. I, I completely agree. And look at that man knows intent, man knows everything. I, I love it. Getting these other young guys on this, stick it to the old guys. Noah, I completely agree with you on this horse. Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on a little bit more, but realistically, there's not too much to say about this horse. Just numbers, intent. He kind of just looks the best on paper. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was an obvious race to decide. Again, it's hard to fake Chad Brown. And for those of you who are, you know, loyal listeners and viewers of our show, you know that Turf King has made an appearance on this show before. I believe all of us were on Turf King uh, when Turf King won at Keelan last time out. And though the horse only won by a head as the heavy favorite, it did not get a good trip at all. Had to completely navigate through a bunch of different traffic uh, before eventually getting uh to the top and there's been some solid horses that came out of that race as well i think the race last month certainly wasn't a bad effort but i think also was against a tougher field than this one and yeah i just feel i know it's a surface change as well uh to the synthetic but turf king clearly still taking steps forward you see even though turf king didn't win last time you see you notice the jump in the speed figure so the horse did not regress by any means simply took on better competition uh but i do think in this field turf king is at least in my eyes the clear-cut top horse I agree. And that that uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter and are fans of me, that was Monmouth. Um, that was Haskell preview day where that contest that I placed 14th in um, was that day. And Bapio killed a lot of my late action as I went a lot of it through talk of the nation who ran second that day. Turf King running third. Bapio, um, who, who was beat by Otago, by the way, in case you're in case, who's keeping track at home. Uh, I'm definitely not. But um, anyway, uh, Bapio is a really nice horse. Talk of the Nations a really nice horse. So running behind them is nothing short, uh, nothing to sell short of this horse. Um, Sylvain does bring up a really good point that the Woodbine turf is special. If I scroll to the top here, you can see the configuration, or it's not the turf. Uh, Sylvain, you're throwing me off. <laughs> it is not the turf. Excuse me. It is the synthetic, which is a normal, um, normal kind of configuration as we get later into the con, uh, later into the sequence. With the turf comes into play, um, that that will come that will come into play later. But this horse ran great on synthetic, closing into a, a slow pace at Gulfstream. This was just after the championship meet, so there was still good horses down in Florida. I think this horse looks much the best on paper. I completely agree with everybody else on the panel. But Noah, my friend, I thought this one was going to fly a little bit under the radar, but you capped you capped me off going with Simcoe in second place for Katarina Vasileva and Hernandez gets the mount. What did you like about this horse? Yeah, I kind of like this horse a little bit. Um, on the improve, seems to love Woodbine after those last two races, really jumped up in speed figure. Um, I also thought it was very intriguing that this horse has been able to win from two inside posts. So maybe with an outside post, it might uh, have a legit shot. Um and it seems like some of the locals have kind of been beaten up on each other. So I kind of wanted a fresh face in this race. This man's taking the words directly out of my mouth. I love it. But I completely agree with you. Ships up to Woodbine. Runs decent on the Gulfstream Tapita. Uh, second time out, I used to like to see a little bit bigger of a jump. 
but um, wins and a hot pace at three to five, uh, two back at Woodbine comes back in optional claiming down uh, N2L and wins basically going away. Um, it was a really nice split. If you want, I'm not going to show the replay, but if you want to go back and watch uh, Hernandez put a brilliant move uh, up the middle on uh, two other horses in this race and Simcoe got through. I think if, uh, if he really continues to improve off that last buyer, I think he's got a legit shot. Maybe not to beat a horse like Turf King, who um, has this horse by at least not by nine on the buyer figures in his last race. But I think this horse is extremely interesting underneath, and I think you might get a little bit of a price on this horse. Charlie, you went with the number four. Kako Kaipu, I think is how you say Thank that. God you said why do you got it? I was going to say, yeah, why do you have to? I don't want to be the one to pronounce it. <laughs> you consistently no, I'm just, I'm just give me the, horse the hardest. I'm just calling the horse Kako. I, I know it's not the full name, but I don't care. We're calling it Kako. I mean, look at the names I'm dealing with. I deal with Kyle Roscoe, Patrick Kunzel, and Charlie Freeman. We do simple names here. We don't do this. So we're going with Kako. I like that name more anyway. But no, Kako, and it's uh, in the last two races, I know the numbers didn't show much of an improvement. But for me, I just like seeing the versatility. I know it's something... Uh, you know, as we've started to get more in depth on this show and more recent episodes, how that is an angle that I tend to look for. And so do you, Kyle, is versatility in, in the on a horse. And, you know, in the past, this horse has tended to like to be right on the lead. Uh, you see two back obviously was just off the pace in a hot pace and then one going away. But in, in, in its last effort, it wasn't able to get to the lead. There was a lot of early speed in that race. A lot of the horses wanted to get towards the front. So the horse did have to sit off the pace. And for me, that is a big deal. Because the problem is, even though obviously from the figures, you see the 94 early pace, you assume this horse has to be on the lead. It showed last time out that it doesn't, which is a big deal for me. Because, you know, as, a, as good of a horse may be that tends to always be in the front or always be in the back, if the pace doesn't set up that way or if they have to adjust to a different trip, that can sometimes ruin a horse where it has to be in a certain position. Uh, so I like the versatility. This horse has run well at Woodbine. Uh, I know, obviously, because of my bias towards Turf King, I went with the ship in. Uh, but it's hard for me to not give credit to a horse that has, you know, we say this at Arlington a lot. You know, you have certain horses in Arlington that are just horses for courses. And I really do think this horse thrives at Woodbine. I mean, you can see it's the only place this horse has run. Uh, and, yeah, you can't really fault the efforts. I know the figures aren't anything crazy. But, again, I mean, you also don't know how Turf King – I think Turf King is too good. But you don't know how Turf King will respond to the Woodbine synthetic – uh, but we know that this horse certainly will thrive on the surface and that won't be a problem. Uh, so that's how I ended up on what I like to call Koku. <laughs> I, I like that you try, you were going to say it and then you caught yourself, but Koku Kaipu, um, <laughs> stop, don't make me laugh during this. Um, the only thing to notice about this horse is this horse will be stretching out. This horse has gone six and seven on the Woodbine synthetic, stretches out to what this is a mile and a 16th at Woodbine, which obviously takes this horse from going from one turn to two turns. But if there, there's a few that I thought really couldn't get the distance because there are a few stretching out in this spot. I thought uh, Kako Kaipu was not one of those horses. Just the way that uh, he's handled himself in the last two races, um, the last one being the big indicator when uh, he came out into the stretch and still went driving by everybody and not in a very fast pace by any means. The quarter was a little quick, but uh, we're able to slow it down in the second quarter. So there's one to look to to look at stretching out. Um, it's it is Kako Kaipu, and not to mention how well this horse has been working over the Windbind Synthetic. So Charlie, I don't disagree with you by any means, but I'm gonna let you finish up here. One Bay Hemingway for Sidatard and Luis Contreras. 
Yeah, so another one that's stretching out, but really what gave me hope is if you look at the two races that were a mile and a mile 16th in the past, this horse responded well at the distance and won by a head and lost by only a length in its other efforts. So again, for me, it was, as you were mentioning, I was looking for horses that either could stretch out or have shown the ability in the past. Uh, the reason why I'm on this horse is obviously last time out runs against who I'm going to call now Mr. K. We're just going to keep it even more simple. I don't want to keep butchering it. So, you know, ran against Mr. K last time and didn't have the best ever. But, you know, you look two back with that 85 figure. So this horse clearly since coming off the layoff has shown flashes. And honestly, again, when you're looking for a horse in the show, bet, I, I, I think, I mean, you look obviously from an odds perspective, this horse was bet down more than Mr. K because people believed it would build off the 85 and didn't. Who knows? Maybe it was just the seven wasn't the exact distance it, uh, the horse prefers and either likes to be in a true sprint or farther because, you know, seven furlongs is kind of you know that in between where it's not quite a long enough race to call it like a longer effort but also not short enough to call it a sprint so maybe that's just and you know hasn't run at that distance only one other time so maybe just wasn't the right distance for the horse but again i just think one where uh if one bay hemingway can go back to anywhere near that 85 figure that's good enough to put up an effort and even win this race if you look at some of these other horses that maybe have been a little more consistent but haven't shown those potential flashes like one bay hemingway so that was my angle was if this horse shows any flash near an 85 again that's a real threat in this race I agree. And, you, you know, the horse was wide in his last effort, and um, maybe that can be an excuse. But there, I thought there was a decent amount of pace in this race. So being that this horse was going to be jam- probably just shooting straight up from the inside, drawing the one hole, um, I think this horse might get caught up. But the 85, definitely, I agree with you, would be good enough to win this race. Noah, I'm going to have you finish off here with the number seven i could talk about the number six twin city a little bit in the end but uh midnight rising for jordan blair and ray lou who ships up to ride this uh ride this gelding yeah this was a a pretty weak third pick um but i was i wasn't sure what the what the woodbine synthetic played like because if it plays like dirt um it was really interesting how i heard jordan blair wanted to get this horse on a dirt surface um and i figured it wasn't impossible for this horse to win and you know ray lou i mean he's he's been on fire. I mean, the last yep. couple of months and he's got the potential to do what uh, Florence Rue did at Canterbury. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Hey, you know, you always look for those shipping jockeys, especially on these bigger days. Ray Lou's not the biggest name, you know, he's not, you know, like a Irad or a Florent when you see them shipping, you know, they got live ones, but um, Jordan, like you said, Jordan Blair wanted to get this on a one to get uh, this gelding on a dirt surface and synthetic, this synthetic plays pretty fair at Woodbine, at least from my understanding, I bet, bet woodbine last weekend and i bet it every now and then every time i play it it seems to play pretty fair um a lot a lot like the arlington uh course used to play in the day but um midnight rising is definitely not about not out of it and i went twin city for Stuart simon um this is a down home woodbine trainer he runs okay down there but this horse put up a big number in his last start going seven furlongs um, and has run well at a mile and 16th, a mile, a mile and an eighth. Just can't seem this source is just always right on the wire. It seems like the neck, head, neck, head, nose. But um, it's just one of those horses that if this horse can build off that 81 and not just show that it's not, you know, kind of a fluke number coming back at three years old is a big uh, point for me on this horse. The first race coming back from two to three, jumps up 15 points on the buyer scale second time off the layoff at three. I think this horse can continue to get even better. And if this horse can get even better, this horse is definitely has a or twin city definitely has 
a shot in this spot. I'm going five eight six. Charlie's going five four one. Noah's going five eight seven. Guys, I'm going to switch over the PPs to race number seven. Again, we are skipping race six. It is a really nice maiden special weight on going six furlongs on the turf. But as we are talking about the stakes races today, we are skipping race six and going on to race seven, which is the Celine Stakes. $150,000 purse for three old Phillies going on the 16th. So basically, this is just the Philly version of the Marine Stakes. Um, as I switch over the PPs right now, this race seemed pretty wide open, at least for me on paper. But then you go to here, and we're all pretty close to the exact same. Charlie and I have the exact same three, and Noah has two, but one different horse. And again, Noah, you are going first as you are the guest, but... Number five is Be My Sunshine for Safi Joseph Jr. and Kazashi Kimura. And as I switch over to the PPs right now, this horse was running really well at Gulfstream. Goes over to Keeneland, just loses by once to Miss Rid- by one length to Miss Riddler. What did you like about Be My Sunshine? Yeah, you know, I, I actually really like this horse. Um, I think this horse has a really nice turn of foot. Um, closed really nicely in a slow pace at Keeneland uh, last time, like you said. Um, and it was really interesting to see uh, the work pattern because it looks like Safi Joseph uh, shipped this horse from Keeneland to Woodbine and gave it a little bit of a break. And then three uh, works that I thought were uh, very nice. So it feels like he's pointing to this spot and uh, it never hurts that Kimura hops on board. So this is definitely my play of the Saturday. My friend, I love it because that's exactly what I thought. If there's, a, there's a lot of horses um, that Safi is taking here. As you'll notice throughout these PPs, Charlie, I'll let you touch on this um, when I finish. But there's a lot of horses that Safi is bringing up from this um, from his crop down in Florida. But you'll see all of them have works down at Palm Meadows. There's not there's I didn't see a single one other than Be My Sunshine that has been working at Woodbine has been pointing to this spot for the Ramses. I just feel like this this is going to be Be My Sunshine's race. This horse. Paired up buyers running at Keeneland. Keeneland was kind of that turf course in the spring, whether it's your horse really loved it or your horse really hated it. Um, Be My Sunshine ran well just behind a decent horse in Miss Riddler. I think that allowance form is going to take pretty well. Um, and with the works over the woodbine surface, as you said, Noah, um, I don't think this horse will have any problem handling the tapita surface. Charlie, is that kind of what you saw, or were you kind of you thought you know same wavelength but different kind of horse or different same horse different wavelength? Oh, I just love honestly again what, what you guys pointed out. So I, li- I liked the works, and again on top of that, I did notice where the works were, and that was certainly something that um, stood out to me. Uh, and then another thing I will say is, again, just like consistency with the figures improvement after the layoff from the first effort. Uh, obviously, it means something if Safi's bringing the horses over. Also, you know, seeing that it's consistently been a horse that's been at least taking some money and also being ridden by some of the top jockeys. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the figures show consistency. I also, you know, I love my closers. So I love the fact that this horse has shown consistent ability to be able to sit off the pace and close ground late to pass. And yeah, maybe other than the debut hasn't quite been able to get there yet, but I do believe in this field, this horse is tough. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. I didn't think this race was as wide open. I know our picks again make it seem like it's even less wide open. But for me, which is why I'm not surprised with our top two, I thought this was a clear-cut two-horse race between the two Safi Joseph Jr. horses. 
I was flipping back and forth between five and three. I'm happy I put the three on top because I probably the five would have probably come last if all three of us had the five on top. Because <laughs> you know that's at least when Patrick's the third, that's well, how it goes. If that's all, true too. All all except for you know, except for if it's a one to nine favorite like uh, Hardy Constitution. <laughs> yeah, but, don't, um, that that's never gonna get let go. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know when uh, like when all three of us were all over Secret Oath and we got proved wrong with Claire, so that's why I'm happy we're not all on the same boat. Uh, yeah, and then going kind of you know going into Honor D Lady. I mean, certainly for me a plus. I, I know I don't know. I, I mean, we've covered Gulfstream enough that I'm sure enough of our viewers follow. Uh, but for those you don't, Edgar Zayas is a very at least in my eyes underrated but well respected jockey at Gulfstream in his own right. Uh, maybe doesn't always get the top, top rides, but really does do a good job of at least being in the money and making the best with what he's given with. Uh, but by no means does that mean that Honor D Lady is just like some horse he has to deal with. This is still a very talented horse. The figures say that this horse can absolutely win. Uh, for me, the, the effort two back was very impressive to me. Off the pace, uh, was able to get onto the lead. And then when it came late, you know, going against Ocean Club uh, uh, and Violet Gibson, who are two other horses that we've covered on the show in different races that are solid in their own rights. Um, so I do believe that if this horse can get back to that effort two back, I think would be very tough to be. And I think even if Honor D Lady runs back to uh, the last effort, is still very talented and can win in this spot. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of horses with very high buyers in this spot. And, you know, that 79, like low 80s is definitely enough to win this race. So Honor D Lady, I complete, I agree with you, Charlie, is definitely going to be one to look out for, especially on your A-line. Noah, you have this horse in second as well. It's like, uh, do you have anything more to add on to Charlie? Is that kind of the way you saw it? Um, yeah, adding on to Charlie, I, you could argue that this horse is the best figs on the synthetic. Um, and it was really weird. The, the horse seemed to be kind of... Uh, all across the all across the stretch and the last time just couldn't seem to run straight for some reason um yeah just couldn't get to a, a wire wire winner wire to wire winner in a ocean club who was uh, pretty tough that day um but third off uh, six month layout this horse should be ready to go completely agree and then no i'm gonna let you touch on um the one horse that we don't have that i i i'm gonna be on completely honest i have no idea what to deal with wonderly wonder wheel here this just seems yeah. like a really weird sp i mean i look mark cassie obviously knows he's extremely talented but coming back on the synthetic howard the synthetic um i'm just sorry just giving the boss a little crap when the boss gets crap that's the way it goes around here but um i mean she has the buyer figures to be able to win in this spot but out of all the all the races and she's obviously working really well over the synthetic as you can see at the bottom of the screen there hasn't been one out of the top 15, or excuse me, there was the seven, uh, 49, but five of the last six have been top 15 works of Woodbine. So, or Church, Churchill and then Woodbine. I don't know. But this horse has been working really well. I just don't, did, had no idea what to do with this horse, Noah. Yeah, I didn't really know either. I mean, she's always working well, but just doesn't seem yeah. to translate. That's true. Um, yeah, definitely not the same as her uh, two year old campaign. Um, I didn't really know what to do with this horse, and it seems like the connections don't either. Um, and uh, basically, uh, there's a good old saying that uh, you never bet the favorite trying something for the first time. So uh, take that for what you will. I'm laughing at Howard making a making a wrong horse gender joke in chat. <laughs> That's not <laughs> usually how that goes. But now you got to take a drink for that, everybody in chat. So cheers to you. But um, it's just like yeah i mean she has like if you go into the breeding here it is wonderful but you go to the grand dam i believe on the dam side no on the 
here. Leslie's lady has some turf running. And turf, you know, can translate to the synthetic arguably better than dirt. But she just has not been as good as she when she won the Alcibiades and the Juvenile Phillies. Winning the Juvenile Phillies completely the wrong way, as what I always say is, you know, this horse was a complete love-the-lead type and then comes from dead last to beat what a lot of people saw as the best closer in the race, Chop Chop, who hasn't come back to do anything at all. So um, it's just a very weird spot for a horse like this, and she definitely is talented. She's shown it in the past, but she just seems like a very quirky horse to train, and Mark Cassie's trying to find the correct spot for her, and she, he just can't really find it. But it's definitely an interesting way are a different, an interesting race to put a horse like Wonder Wheel. But Charlie, me and you have the number ten solo album in um in third. So uh, Eclipse Thoroughbreds, Gary Barber, Mark Cassie. I mean, the, the connections are extremely well meant. A great race last time out. I just, I don't, I couldn't find the speed of the speed. And this horse kind of got a really easy lead last time, but beat some really nice horses. Yeah, so my angle was, again, having the chance to come from the outside, as you mentioned, strong connections, a horse that at least finally shows off a pretty long layoff. I mean, I guess not crazy long, but long enough to have that uh, career best effort is so impressive, and the works say yes. Uh, you know, Mark Cassie tends to do very well in Canada as well, is something I've uh, yep. noticed from a few of my OTB days where I'll occasionally, <laughs> you know, bet some wood by, and I always end up seeing he has the favorite. Uh, but, see, so yeah, for solo album, my angle was honestly the two horses that I truly believe this race should come down to in the three and five are both horses that prefer to, you know, sit off the pace and do their best work late. So, you know, as we've talked about in the show before, whenever you're batting against, I mean, I know none of these are going to be the heavy favorite by any means, and Wonder Wheel will probably be the favorite simply from the peak races. Uh, but, you know, if you want to tend to beat that kind of style, you got to go for a horse that's going to be at the front. You're not going to beat a good closer with another closer, as we've talked about with horses like Wet Paint, Cody's Wish, uh, stuff like that. Um, so that was my angle, really, was just looking for a horse that has shown some speed and actually shown the ability to, you know, stay at the front with that speed and not just gas out. And again, the effort last time out, as you mentioned, the figures aren't crazy in this race. So even though I do believe this race should come down to the five and three, and that's what all three of us think, if Solo Album can build off of that effort, you know, and get to the lead and not have to set crazy fractions, which isn't crazy to assume could happen with a race like this, yep. there could be a situation where Solo Album just gets away. And I thought, why not take a chance and put this horse third? And real quick on Wonder Wheel, I don't know what to think of the horse. That's why I didn't have it anywhere. Certainly think again with Mark Cassie in Canada, the horse could have a good effort. But I just see a horse regressing. And, you know, for me, I tend to prefer to go with a horse that's showing improvement and could take another step forward than a horse that looks to be kind of spiraling out of control and you don't know what to do. I don't think the move makes sense. But I don't think it's anything against Cassie or the connections either. I don't think there is a move that makes sense for Wonder Wheel at this point. I think at this point, every race since the shocking loss at Tampa has just been throwing a dart and praying it sticks and lands in a good spot and it just keeps missing the board. And, you know, with the last effort, just, you know, which, worse to date, I'm, I'm just not touching. This well, yeah, which obviously the last two spots have been extremely oh, of rough. I mean, the Ashland and Keeneland, the Kentucky Oaks, for Christ's sake. But, I mean, she still has shown nothing. And this maybe is a spot where Marquez can kind of get Wonder Wheel back, down her, back on her feet. But, like, if she shows well on the synthetic, then um, um, good, great for the connections. But I'm going to need to see one especially in a spot like this where she's probably going to take a decent amount of money. I'm going 5-3-10. Charlie's going 3-5-10. And Noah is going 5-3-6. Guys, moving over to the next race. It is race eight. Again, these next three, next four races were 7-10. through 10. So race eight is the grade two Highlander Stakes going six furlongs 
on that weird woodbine turf course, it is a full field of t- 11, I think, 10. I says so again, since we don't have the PP numbers, I can only count so I can only count so high. No, I'm kidding. But um, as I bring up the picks right now, this is the one race that actually um, the 10th race as well. But these two turf races, we are all over the place. As I switch over the PPs right now. Three uh, different horses on top, th- a lot of different horses underneath. So this one's going to need some analysis for sure. Noah, I'm going to let you go first again. You're going with the number six, Oceanic, who ran out at Keeneland a lot in the spring and last fall and then has run at Churchill in Indiana. Just hasn't looked the same as when she runs at Keeneland. But what would you like about Oceanic? Yeah, uh, the first thing was uh, if you want to show that race, the PPs do not do nearly enough justice for how bad that was. Going around the far turn, this horse basically clipped heels and almost went down. It could have been very bad, but the horse, you know, re-rallied and and got up. I mean, it, it didn't get embarrassed. I I I would think he would have to toss that. I mean, the, the horse is getting a pretty good trip on the inside. I mean, the horse is a closer. Yeah, um, and it just. It's- Number five right here, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go full screen. But you can see right there. That's right where Noah's talking about. I'll rewind it one more time. But right on the heels of the two, the two cuts are off. And she just takes a big step backwards. But, I mean, mean, she probably lost at least three lengths out of that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. At that point, you know, this horse is going to stop. This horse is going to back up. But you are right. He's... uh, she, I don't, I'm not going to, they, you know, they re-rally up into for a pretty decent fourth considering what happened, but no, I'll let you continue to talk. It's sorry. I kind of took your thunder there. Yeah, def- definitely impressive. That final kick. And if you watch a gallop out, uh, mm-hmm. he actually galloped, he actually galloped up past the winner. So I, I thought that was definitely impressive and, uh, definitely see. worth, definitely worth a look. Um, it's she's or sorry, he seems to be the class of the field. Um, and you know, Braylou didn't come to Canada to paint, so I, I would think this horse has to be live. <laughs> I love that analogy, that's great. I've actually never heard that one before, but um, yeah, at least I have this horse in third. I think it's it is a he, I gotta drink like five times for that, but um, that re rally is definitely nothing short. So that 80, you know, you can kind of draw a line through it. This is going a little bit longer, which I think will really suit Oceanic. Um, so I thought this horse was extremely interesting underneath, but, um, Charlie, I'm going to go up to you here. You have the number two in first that is outlaw kid for, um, George Weaver and Eric Consell, another shipping jockey surprised George Weaver brought up Consell for this one. But, um, I mean, this horse ran a monster number last time out. Yeah, I know uh, Eric Consell is not, again, one of the necessarily biggest names, but, again, still a very solid jockey in New York uh, to his own right. And, again, I don't think he ships up for no reason. George Weaver has been doing excellent lately. I know especially in Gulfstream has been winning a lot. Uh, So I think definitely uh, an underrated trainer, certainly someone that I didn't know as much until getting more into horse racing through the show. Uh, But, yeah, for this horse, I mean, obviously you look and – First race, you kind of throw it out. First ever race, it's okay. Then you look at the last race before the long layoff, and it was just a terrible effort. But all of that in between, those are very competitive figures. And then this horse came back. um, And if you watch the replay, for a first race back off of, you know, a six-month layoff, I mean, this horse flew. 
uh, obviously not necessarily the craziest race in the world, but still, you know, a very respectable uh, race and effort to be in. And yeah, this horse just flew by at the end, won by a decent margin as well. I don't, I, I know it's a different turf, but I don't, I'm not concerned about this horse shipping and certainly wasn't a cheap horse either. Decent connections. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, again, to have that big of a response off that big of a layoff to me is eye-opening. I just couldn't ignore it. And I just feel like if Outlaw Kid doesn't even need to build off of that performance, if Outlaw Kid performs anything like the Belmont race, I really do think Outlaw Kid is tough in this spot and would not be surprised uh, if Outlaw Kid wins this race. Yeah, and like you said, that big number, that triple-digit buyer in the last race is definitely one that jumps out at you on the page. And I completely respect this horse. I do not have this horse in my top three is this race is, in my opinion, this is one of the most, if not the most wide open race of the entire day. But I completely respect what you're saying about outlaw kid. Just a matter of, will this horse transition well from Belmont? Not, not to mention this horse is coming back pretty quick. Last race, June 15th, we'll be running July 1st. So it'll be just over a two weeks turnaround for this horse on the ship for George Weaver. So if this horse can continue to improve, hasn't even gotten a work in, might I add, um, coming back. This will be second off the layoff, though. So if the Outlaw Kid can continue to improve off that 100 buyer, he's definitely tough in this spot. Um, I went with the number four. No, you have this horse in third. Macetto for Mark Cassie and Patrick Husbands. This horse went um, one last time with a 97 buyer coming off the layoff, newly turned four-year-old for Mark Cassie runs a 97 eye popping buyer. This is another one of those, just kind of like your horse, Charlie, except mine was directly off the, or no, yours was also directly off the left. Excuse me. But um, for Mark Cassie, Mark Cassie throws this horse back up with Woodbine back in the summer off of a year long layoff. And this horse pops a 97 running behind a pretty decently quick pace. I mean, if there's one that was an eye-popping race, this was it for me. And if Maceto can continue to improve off of um, what was pretty in a pretty decent trip, a, a good trip last time out in that optional 50, but I see him getting the exact same spot, uh, the exact same trip in this spot as well. And if Maceto tucks in early, I think he could be really tough in this spot as well. Noah, you have the number one. There's a lot of love in this ch- in the chat for this horse. Um, it's Katamosto for Cassie. Wait, Cassie and Husbands. Wait, didn't I? Oh, uh, this is yeah. What that was? I was just going to touch on that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. So the one and the four are both uh, entries for DJ Stable, and both of them, uh, Husbands has the mount. Yeah. I figure that will have to switch at some point, and I would think that Husbands would go to the four, which makes me like the one even more because I think I get a better price. Um, I love this horse underneath. I mean, you can take a look at the company that this horse is run against. I mean, big invasion, golden pal, high front, just one. Uh, Gregory's pride won when D'Amato was shipping everything to Keeneland and, and they were running huge. Um, I just think this horse was kind of off track and they kind of had intentions to bring this horse in some really nice races um, when they came last summer. Um, but now that I saw um, that 88, I think this horse still has it. And I feel like this horse could really sit the trip. Um, it seems like there's a lot of speed in this race. So being on the inside, I feel like he could just kind of uh, sit in the pocket and wait for an opening and make one big run. Yeah, and that actually, I did. The funny thing is, I didn't notice that until right now. But that's one thing to keep mind of. If they're both entered with Patrick Husbands on the mount for the exact same connections, you're most likely um, the most likely scenario is one of them is going to scratch. So just keep your mind, keep your eye on 
the races at Woodbine, uh, race eight at Woodbine on Saturday, as I'm sure one of them will scratch, if not at least get a jockey change. And I, you know, it's a toss up at this point who's going to get the jockey change. But usually when they're completely entered the exact same, one of them will get scratched. And Catamosto, again, is another horse that I that um, I give respect to. But that last race on the synthetic was against pretty easy company and set kind of a right off perfect trip right off the leader. So um, this horse is I'm assuming by the buyers of the race, I think is going to need a little bit more than an 88 um, in this spot. But third off the layoff could be really good for Mark Cassie. And obviously those connections, I never doubt anything. But again, Keep your eye on um, um, on the on the form. Jeez, I can't think. But keep your eyes on the form on Saturday. And Richard does bring up a very good point. Catamosto uh, ran back. This was back in June of 21 for Joseph O'Brien, but did run against Go Bears Go, who's a really nice horse that is actually still in the States, I believe, right now. But that is a good point, Richard. Thanks so much for pointing that out. Greatly appreciate it. Charlie, I'm going to let you finish up here, and then I'm going to talk about my last tours. Or no, actually, my horse is all covered. Charlie, you're up, my friend. You're covering the last two. You got Old Chestnut and, and actually, you know, Masetta, you're good. So what did you like about Old Chestnut? Yeah, so sorry. Real quick, I just wanted to touch on Masetta. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another horse that ran against Go Bears Go, I believe actually ran against the one in the in, uh, in June uh, and had a solid effort. And, yeah, yep. I had the same thoughts as you did. Again, solid works. And, again, for me, what I was just looking for, which is why I think this race is so wide open and tough, was just another horse that came right off a layoff and just had an, an extremely impressive effort. Uh, and, against, you know, not again, not crazy competition, similar to the two, but still competitive enough. And, again, Mark Cassie tends to do very well in Canada. Uh, and then, yeah, going into Old Chestnut, I mean, this is a horse for me again. Another one where I know it's had, I know the horse has now had two efforts, but still to come from October of 22 to April of 23 and run a 95, obviously an eye catching effort and was off the pace and then ran away and absolutely robbed away from the field. Uh, and certainly people saw something in this horse because it was bet all the way down to favoritism in the first race back off that long effort. And while it wasn't, you know, some crazy competition, then takes a huge step up in just the second race off the big layoff to a grade three race from an optional claiming. And again, even though doesn't win, gets bet a decent amount. And again, matches that 95 figure. So again, for me, another horse that has worked well, has good consistent figures. And, you know, again, while maybe from the first race off the layoff, the competition was weak goes to a much tougher competition that could, you know, fit in with this field and puts up a very solid effort. Also picks up Edgar Zayas, who, again, as I've mentioned, I am a fan of. Uh, And so, yeah, I think Old Chestnut is a horse that's very interesting and I think could be very dangerous in this spot. Look, there's a lot of different ways to go in this spot. Obviously, you can tell by the picks on the bottom of the screen. We do have some common themes, but um, the big thing to note is we are all over the place on top. I'm going 4-10-6, Charlie's going 2-3-4, and Noah is going 6 one four guys i'm gonna move over the picks but first we have some good some kind words for noah in the chat darius i'm not sure i've seen your name before sir thanks so much for doing the show man greatly appreciate it he goes can't even tell this is noah's first podcast he's crushing it i agree uh I, howard brought it up howard uh, uh patrick might have to look out man we might have a uh might have a replacement for him when since he's considered consistently missing shows patrick be on the lookout, but no, honestly, Noah, you're doing a great job, and obviously, you're getting a lot of love in the chat, so they think so as well, guys. I'm moving over to race nine. As I said, it is the Dominion Day Stakes, going a mile and an eighth for four year olds and upward. 
Um, let's see. It is a field of if I can seven nine. Again, I have to count because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I know how to count on my fingers, but um, my own and eighth on a synthetic. And we are this is another one that I thought was a little bit straightforward, but um, there's a lot of similar picks on the chat. So this one will probably go by pretty quick. We all have the number six on top. Um, Treason for Josie Carroll and Kajaji Kimura, Ellen J. Foxwoods, very well meant connections. And Noah, I'm going to kind of just give you the reins on this one. Uh, no pun intended, by the way. And just kind of say what you like about Treason and why we think that he's going to, you know, he has a really good shot to win this race. Yeah, you know, it, it just seems like this, this horse became a different animal when it switched to the Josie Carroll barn. I mean, a 16th length win and then a good fourth uh, in the autumn, uh, pressing a hot pace. Um, and then a really nice win last time. Um, he just kind of seems to be the now horse. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I love the short and sweet. There's not too much to say about this horse. I mean, going getting to the Carroll barn, getting a year off from three to four, just gets a massive turnaround when 16 and a half, as you said, a really hot pace in the autumn gets uh, fourth by two lengths. There's some really nice horses, two of them who are also in this race and finally got the trip set up that I'm sure Josie Carroll has been dreaming of for this horse. And he just wins going away much the best of anyone else in this race. Uh, the one just to her out, just to his outside, and Carruthers in that last race, and then Tyson just to his inside by two. But I agree about treason. Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on everybody else because there's not too much else to go into treason. He's really well-meant, and I think he's got a very, very big shot in this spot. You have the horse um, that I like just to his outside in Carruthers, who ran a really good race in the Eclipse last time just behind treason. Yeah, so obviously as we were you know, just all raving about treason, who – deserves you know all the flowers and looked much I, I guess not much the best but certainly nonetheless the best and you mm -hmm. know as we mentioned only really lost the race before that because the pace was just so hot and I don't think the pace will be quite as difficult this time out I think the one will probably set the pace again which wasn't a problem for treason last time when they went against each other and went right by so while I do think this race sets up for treason I think Carruthers is an interesting horse because this was a horse that sort of just decided to follow uh Treason, and if you watch the race, uh, if you can uh, put up the replay for a second, I don't really know what happened uh, with Carruthers, but uh, as it was starting to gain on Treason, kind of took a weird step and went behind and then had to reshift out, which essentially slowed down all the momentum that Carruthers had been gaining on Treason. So, you know, I think if this horse gets a cleaner trip and sits right off the early speed, I do think Carruthers can be dangerous in the spot with a truly clean trip. You know, obviously you also see the figures off the layoff have continued to go up, so this horse... You know, it was clearly also improving in form. And I just really liked that race overall from June 4th on. That's why, you know, my top three, I normally try to avoid taking horses that race against each other, especially, you know, kind of not only doubling, but tripling down by putting them all in my top three. But I really thought it was a decent race. The time was respectable. The pace was respectable. It wasn't too hot or, you know, too cold either. And I thought, honestly, all three of the top three ran a solid race. Uh, and, you know, that's why I kind of stuck with that same order for my top three. Yeah, and I usually I used to used to abide by that rule where horses that horses that race together win together was my Arlington way of thinking. At the other tracks, it doesn't work yeah, as well. Yeah, so in Arlington, it's a lot easier. But um, the, there's a really good question in the, in the chat from Matt Miller. If those of you that don't know Matt Miller, he's an amazing contest player and a great friend of the HHH Racing Podcast. But um, 
I'm going to leave this up to you guys. I already answered it in the chat, so don't don't necessarily look at my answer and copy my homework. But what win odds would you take on treason? Uh, what so what's your value line on treason? What would if you saw treason at or above this price, you would bet it to win? Charlie, I'll let you go first. Well, for me, because again, since I like the race that treason was in, and I do believe there's other contenders, not necessarily to always win, but horses that I really do like underneath. Um, and you know, if we get to uh, you know the picks, and I know we're only covering some of them, but I will say for this race, I if I were to play it, I would be looking for the six to win, and I would do exactos with the six over the seven and four. So for me, I'd say right around two to one is where I would like to play treason. If this horse was two to one or higher, definitely putting a win bet on it. Uh, probably still would regardless, but I think it would kind of you know, impact how I spread my money around, you know, obviously if it's lower, maybe put less on the win bet and more towards exact as with the six on top. Uh, whereas if there ends up being more value on the six and maybe focusing more on putting more on the win bet and less on the exact is, but that's kind of my angle is once it kind of surpasses that threshold, I'm probably focusing more towards, you know, this is my top horse and who do I like to put underneath? Hey, I love it. I love everything that you said, Charlie, just nothing like a Charlie answer where you ask a pretty close question. You get a 50 word essay or 15 page essay, but no, I'm just giving you crap. Uh, Noah, what, what about you? What's your value line? Yeah, I, I think nine to five, two to one. I, I think that's a smart idea with the Dutch exact as like Charlie said, um, you could definitely get a price underneath where uh, that's, that's where it's going to pay. I completely agree with you. And how about this? The boss, Quoting in the chat, have Noah, have Noah on the big show for a Del Mar preview since he's a SoCal guy. I mean, you're already seeing you're doing so well, Noah. The boss is already inviting you back. So uh, there's nothing, nothing short of a lot of love for you in the chat. But what do you say, Noah? Del Mar preview? That'd be awesome. Hell yeah. Hey, maybe another back on betting and boozing. It would take you away from Howard again because now you've, you've got your claim to fame on betting and boozing. But anyway, I'm going to move on. Noah, you have the same horse that um, I have on third. Nova Soul, another Safi horse. Edgar Zayas gets the mountain ran really well at Gulfstream, although that's probably a little bit of a class below what, you're, what he's facing in this field. Noah. Yeah, you know, this this horse has run against some really nice company. Um, a lot of uh, prestigious races like Derner Party, Pan America, uh, Belmont Gold Cup. Um, just after that last race, I feel like I'm, I'd am i be willing to give this horse another shot. Um, I don't think this yep. horse is quite done yet. Um, and definitely note that this horse is six pounds lighter than last time. And I'm not really a weight guy, but it's just something yep. to note. No, absolutely. And for those of you that's, you know, whether I'm not, I'm not necessarily a weak guy either, but for those that are, it's a great thing to point out. So I do appreciate that. Um, and there's a few others in this race that I'm going to mention before we move on. Charlie, you like Tyson. Um, we don't need to go in too much. This horse ran with um, Treason and Carruthers last time out. This horse will be on the lead. I think there is a little bit of other speed in this race. So Tyson might not get the best trip in this spot, but that's one to look out for. Another one out of the Josie Carroll barn. And the Golden Glider is another horse I wanted to touch on a little bit real quick. I mean, this horse was in the, the Bluegrass, the Peter Pan, the Belmont. Ran well in the Peter Pan. Didn't necessarily run well in either of the other two races. One of my favorite 14-to-1 horses in the Belmont ever with the um, the, the Rich Strike effect that I was able to get five to two on Mo Donegal that day. So thank you very much to everyone that bet golden glider that day, but um, ran really well in the uh, tropical park derby, I believe is that race off the, off the turf on the Tapita down at Goldstream. So if there is a lot of pace injected in this race, this horse is going to come flying from the clouds. 
most likely. So this is one to look out for, although I don't think – I think he might just be a class below the other horses we've talked about, but not wanting to go completely unnoticed. I'm going 6-7-9. Charlie's going 6-7-4, and Noah is going 6-4-9. Guys, I'm going to move over to the last race. It is race 10 on the Woodbine Saturday card that we are going to cover. It is the grade 2 Nassau Stakes going a mile on the turf uh, for four-year-old fillies and up. $175,000, again, a one-turn mile on the weird configuration of the Woodbine Turf course. It's a nice move. Is a field of, let's count them together, guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. A field of nine in this spot. We're all going to count together now at this point because I'm not doing it alone. The morning line favorite and surely the favorite at post time will be the number four, Moira, in this spot. And I'm going to play the game that we love to do. Um, no, I'm sure you've seen it. How many, when there's a big favorite like this, I want to see in the chat. How many people do you think went with Mara in this spot? Do you, I tell you, again, at least one person did go with Mara in the spot. Is it one, two, or all three of us went with Mara in this spot? Everyone put your comments in the chat real quick. I'll give it about 30 seconds to see what everyone thinks. I just want to see the um, how many people think that we all took the chalk in this spot, if any. But I'm gonna well, I know, I know Jim thinks you did. I know Jim thinks you well, did. Well, Jim, Jim thinks we all take the chalk, <laughs> but especially me for sure. Matt Miller says two. Tom Espinoza says two. Darius says got to be just one. No chalk. Christine Ray says she thinks all three of us took the horse on top. Howard says one. Sylvain says three. I'm going to give it a little bit more just in case anyone else is going to come through at the end. Richard Avalar, one of you picked Mora. Chris Max says three. Ander says three. Ander, welcome to the show, my friend. I haven't seen your name in the chat yet. But so four threes, two, uh, two twos, oh, and no, two no, I'm ones. Sorry to see a chain of threes. Oh, no, guys. Oh, Come on, but I them. see, so that I, that gives it away who picked Mara on top, but it is only one of us. It is only Charlie the chalk eating weasel taking Mara on top. I went with the number eight. Um, I went with the number eight. Fev Rover in this spot, and Noah went with the Chad Brown runner on the outside, eminent victor. Charlie, since you are the winner of the Chalk Eating Weasel contest, I'm going to give you to talk about Mara. There's not too much to talk about her, as she was an extremely good filly last year at Woodbine. Came back, at, uh, came back after a, wet, a long layoff in the Bell, uh, the Bell McMahon, I think. I'm not actually 100% sure. I, po- I completely apologize to everyone out there. We only lost by a neck to Super Hoity Toity, who's a pretty decent horse in her own right. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think, honestly, I mean, I'm going to give Noah the benefit of the doubt because it's Chad Brown. I think Kyle, honestly, was just trying to avoid getting bombarded by the Chad <laughs> and Jim. We're going to chalk in and weasel, so he just swallowed his pride and said, I'm going to pretend to put the eight on front. But you watch people. We get to the betting booth, and I guarantee you this guy's putting all of his money on on the four horse. Uh, anyway, uh, and or who knows? Maybe the eight will end up being bet down to the favorite just because Kyle put the eight on top. But, yeah, with the four, pretty simple for me. The works say yes. This horse has been extremely consistent with the figures. Uh, and, again, to come off that big of a layoff and still in tough competition, run that close to winning, I think if this horse runs anything like – it's past history again, second time also off the layoff. I know this horse likes to close, uh, but I did also, which I thought was kind of interesting, like, you know, after seeing its last two races where the horse was way back and then it had to climb up, uh, now you saw, you know, again, I, we talked about earlier, I like versatility. The horse 
you know, maybe again, maybe it was a slightly weaker field, but still a solid competition to be sitting just off the pace. Uh, so I do like that this horse has multiple dynamics, uh, but I just think if the four runs back to form should win, I, I'm not going to say easily because there's some other decent horses, but I do believe is very tough in this spot. No, I'm going to let you touch on a little bit about Mora as we all have this horse in there. Um, and actually, Howard, again, the boss is just taking the words out of my mouth as usual. I think the race is just a, maybe a little too short for her. I mean, you see, she did run at a mile and a 16th, did lose by a neck off the layoff. But, I mean, mile, you see, mile and an eighth, mile and a quarter, mile and a quarter, mile and three sixteenths. It almost seems like she runs well going longer, and this race is back at a mile. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Howard definitely was not a big fan of her in the Philly Mare Turf, and I guess he's not a fan of her now. So yeah, that's just, true. Just like the just like the Italians. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that is a good that's a good meme for anyone looking for uh, any uh, normal HHH racing podcast viewers. <laughs> I love it, Noah. That's a great meme. But yeah, um, yeah. I I mean, she's a great runner. Don't get me wrong. She definitely can win in this spot. But at what she, at the price she's going to be, which I assume is pretty short with something that she might not want to do, I'm willing to look elsewhere. And I looked to the number eight, uh, for Fev Rover for Mark Cassie and Patrick husbands. Those horse ran extremely well in the Canadian and the dancing smart, but he's <laughs> well, that was, that's well, we had a good, we had a good run though. We had a good run of a, the last hour, but guess you're asked. But the boss man is, is dumb. We're still in the cards then, or what, what are we thinking? <laughs> yeah, of? that's what I'm yeah. saying. But uh, Fev Rover ran really well in the EP Taylor last time. I know this is off a layoff for Mark Cassie, but it's a um, and mares don't usually take the biggest step from in between ages, so three to four, four to five. Usually, I like to see that I like to use that angle in Colts. I think um, it's one of the best angles in all of horse racing is the age jump off the layoff. Um, and they usually doesn't get bet by any means. Again, shout out to Chris Larmy if you watch this. Me and you talked about that at dinner on Saturday. Patrick, uh, Matt Miller, you know what's up. But, um, I mean, the 93 is definitely enough, in my opinion, to win this race. So if she's any good, and if she can, if she even improves a little bit off the layoff for Marquette, she's working extremely well. I think she could be really tough, and she does. There's not a whole lot of speed in this race. I think... She, I think Fev Rover can get a really nice trip and will be able to sit off and um, catch them at about the 16th pole. And Charlie is with me as that's the source in third. Charlie, do you have anything else to add a little bit on Fev Rover before I move on to Noah's top pick? I mean, not really. All I was just going to say is I almost had this horse. I mean, I, I originally had this horse in second and flipped it back to third. And I really do believe this horse can win. The only concern for me is just the layoff. I mean, again, I know we've talked about a lot of times, you know, we've talked about on some of the races we've covered earlier, these horses who right off their big layoff end up being unbelievable. But since we just don't know yet, it's just a spot for me where I rather, you know, maybe play this horse under in the exactors or maybe even box this horse with the four. Because I will say, if this horse returns to form or takes a step up, I think this is the biggest threat to the four. It's just, again, I don't know what's going to happen off the layoff. Certainly, though, having Mark Cassie uh, is a positive sign in that, you know, he will have this horse ready and probably pick this spot to come back as well because you see yep, after being over speed, this say. horse only came back to woodbine um so i think this is a horse and another one you mentioned if you're looking for a price i i this is a horse i would play where i would watch how the money's actually being played to kind of see because this could be one where we think we're being creative by liking the eight and then 
a bunch of betters see the same angle and it gets hammered down, or it could be one where people are scared off by it and you could take it at a big price and try to beat the favorite. And again, for me, this would be my top choice if you're trying to beat the favorite, if the money plays out that way. Yeah. And look, I think mile and a quarter, again, I know this was um, five, six months ago at this point, but I think a mile and a quarter is a little bit too far for what she wants to go. I think a mile and an eighth, mile and a 16th mile is right in her wheelhouse. So getting back to that one turn mile at Woodbine, I think really suits her. Not to mention how well she ran at a mile in Europe being grade two, group two winning and grade group one showed in the English thousand guineas. So I think Fevrover could really be into it, but eminent victor for you, Noah, top pick Chad Brown, bringing more of his horses up for Michael Dub. What did you like about Eminent Victor? Yeah, you know, uh, if I'm alive to a sequence, uh, I'm going to be using a handful of horses because I feel like this race this race is pretty wide open. Yep. Um, Eminent Victor was just uh, – I just kind of liked her last time, and uh, she's got some back numbers, and I think the cut pack will help. She kind of had a, a tough trip. I don't think she was going to win, but um, checked in the stretch last time. Don't need to show that. Um mm-hmm. But uh, when when you have no idea, kind of like I do, uh, it's pretty easy to lean on the chat. Um, and I think she'll be a decent price. So, Yeah, and, you know, there's not often time you get to have chat at a decent price. I think she – I honestly, the chat money, I almost feel like will take her to second choice, um, coming second off the layoff for chat with the equipment change. But um, Eminent Victor is definitely not one to take lightly, and you are right. She has back numbers. Um, she's going to have to show a decent amount of improvement for me, which is why I don't have her on my top three. But she's again, Chad's not one to step on lightly. So I do agree with you, Charlie. You have the last one to talk about here, Millie Girl. And actually, I'll talk about the Todd Pletcher and then we'll end the show with our best bets of the weekend. Again, since it's not a pick five, we'll be giving our best bets of the weekend instead. You like Millie Girl for Catherine Day Phillips, who's a pretty nice um usually all woodbine trainer and Arlington legend Declan Carroll gets them out. Yeah. You know, I couldn't help when I saw that familiar, uh, familiar face to have to put this horse in somewhere. You know, I knew, I knew I, I've been trying in the shows to always mix an Arlington legend somewhere. Uh, but you know, on a more serious note, I mean, it also is cool that Declan has consistently run this horse, which I do think is important for a familiarity aspect. And then, you know, you see in the notes, the horse was bumped at the break of this race was way back and then was closer. I know it ran against and lost to Sweet Enough, but Sweet Enough got a much easier trip and also was right off the pace and never really moved up and just happened to be close enough to not have to worry. Whereas Millie Girl really had to work hard after that rough start to navigate through the field and get up there and just didn't have enough time between all the, you know, again, all the stuff that went wrong. Uh, So I think the longer distance will suit this horse. Uh, We've seen in this past that the horse has been very competitive in the two efforts that have been a mile or longer. Uh, You know, again, third race off the layoff now, uh, working out well as well. And I think you can get a decent price. Um, I do think Millie Girl is an interesting horse that, again, has a good combination and of, you know, tackle speed while still like to sit off the pace that could be a horse that could very well be in the money. And again, another horse you could play uh, in your underneaths to help you, uh, you know, make some extra money in case you do want to bet a horse that gets bet down. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, she's usually very good. Uh, our flash drive who this horse uh, Millie girl lost to in her last race is a very, very nice horse at Woodbine. Uh, I believe four out of the last five races that uh, our flash drive has won have been stakes. So, um, absolutely nothing to take lightly there. Sweet enough ran second in that spot. So Millie Girl is definitely one, although I think she'll have to improve a little bit to be able to be competitive. But Scottish Star, 
um, Noah, you have this horse in second as well. I'll let you touch on a kind of uh, I'll bring up the rear and then we'll move on to our best bets. But Scottish Star looks just kind of like the speed of the speed on paper, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, she's definitely a, a nice horse. Um, but talk about a money burner. This is pretty much yeah. the definition of it. Um, and funny enough, uh, this horse has never won a graded stake uh, in the United States. So that's definitely interesting. Um, the horse could win, um, but just seems like a bet against and should probably be a pretty short price with Pletcher money. So, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just think she's the speed of the speed. And I was looking for someone that if that pace does not develop, I think she's going to be the one to have the lead when Ray Lou's very good on the front end. So, and she has the low 90 buyers to be able to be competitive. I've just, my two, my top picks have, I have that middle, that back, and that front aspect, which is what I like to kind of well-round my picks around. So, And Scottish Star is not one to be taken lightly, especially if she can come back from that Monmouth-listed stake and run well. But you are right, Noah. She did all these, just based on odds alone and finishes, this horse is definitely the main definition of a money burner. But, guys, again, since we are not covering a full pick five sequence, we are going to give out our best bets of the weekend. And, Noah, you are going to go first. You have we have asked everyone of us, both Charlie and Noah, and obviously myself for two their two best bets of the weekend, whether it's win bets, double bets, you know, they can give a pick five if they want to, or um like a key underneath horse or something along those lines. Anything that they want to give out to you guys to be able to play. That's what I asked for. And Noah has two. He is um his best bets of the entire weekend are race seven, a number a win bet on the number five, be my sunshine, and on race eight. Key the number one forty five seventy underneath in your verticals. Noah, feel free to talk about and expound on your best bets. Uh, I think the one in the eighth race is Catamosto, but that's is that did I look at the wrong race? It's irrelevant. It, yeah, <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead I'll talk about right now. Yeah, I'll talk about the five. Um, yeah, everything I mentioned about you know I think uh, Savvy Joseph is kind of pointing to this race. Um, just the uh, the ship from Keeneland to Woodbine and those works. It just it just seems like she's really pointing. Or sorry, he's really pointing to this race. Um, and with Kamara aboard, and uh, Charlie was talking about earlier, I think it's a, a two horse race with the three and the five. Where if you're kind of playing a sequence, you don't necessarily want to use two prices or two horses that are going to be a low price. Uh, so you just pick one and try to, you know, trust your opinion. And so that's what I'm going to do with the five. Yeah, completely agree. And like I said, Catamosto is that one that has the exact same entrant as the number four in that race. So be wary of that one when you get into the sequence, as I stated on Saturday, but Hey, I, like I said, no, I love it. And I be my sunshine is one of my best bets of the weekend. I know you said that was your play of the weekend. So I'm, I completely commend you for putting it on here. And the Catamosto is definitely one to key underneath. Hopefully that will would be a decent price if she, if he stays in the race. So um, again, that's Noah's best bets. Race number seven is a win bet on the number five, Be My Sunshine. And in race eight, it's key the number one, Catamosto, underneath in your verticals. Noah, thanks again. Charlie, your best bets of the weekend is a, no, is a win bet on the number five, Turf King, in race five. And in race eight, the win on the number two, Outlaw Kid. Go ahead, Charlie. Talk about your picks. Yeah, so Turf King is definitely my strongest opinion of the weekend by far. Uh, to me, the most obvious winner of any of the races that we covered. Again, I know it's a little biased from covering the horse in the past, but I just think Turf King has all the goods. Love Chad Brown horses. And again, I just think should dominate that field. 
Uh, and then my angle with going with the outlaw kid is, you know, if I'm going with two win bets, best bet, I didn't want to be a chalky and weasel and, you know, cause you know, turf King will be the favorite. So I didn't want to give two heavy favorites. And, you know, when I was looking around at my picks, I knew in races nine and 10, I picked two will probably go off as the favorite. And then in race seven, even though I think you could argue between the three and five who will go off as favorite, since I really do think that race is close, I will say maybe consider boxing the two if you want to be risky, a little risky for value, but I really couldn't figure out one of them. So I went with outlaw, outlaw kid again, another horse where, it is the different turf to try out, but this horse just ran such an impressive figure, and George Weaver has been on an absolute tear lately. So I figured, you know, if you are going to look for an angle to take a chance on a horse, why not go for a horse that off a long layoff had such a strong effort and, you know, really did convincingly win, and again, under a trainer who seems to really have his horses going well lately. Uh, so that was how I ended up making my second choice with uh, Outlaw Kid. Hey, like I said, I know none of us really like Outlaw Kid, but if he can improve – off that um, hundred buyer, definitely interested, and definitely you hopefully will get a little bit of a price on Outlaw Kid. So Charlie, thanks again, appreciate it. My best bets of the weekend are in race eight and race nine. Race eight, I've the, my best bet is the win on the number four Macedo at three to one or higher. That's the opposite of Noah's key underneath in race eight. That's the other. Um, Cassie runner and then race nine, a double six, seven with eight at eight to one or higher for those doubles. Macedo, I think is extremely interesting, especially coming off the three to four jump. If you can get that horse at three to one, which I think you will um, being off the layoff, even though uh, he does have the best numbers. I think I'm hoping the layoff will drift that horses up horses odds up a little bit and hoping you get three to one or more race nine. Um, it is six, number six, and number seven. I'm going there right now. Excuse. It's Treason and Carruthers with um, the number eight beating Mara. It is, um, it is Fev Rover. So if you can get eight to one or higher on both those doubles, I would highly consider playing them. And I think you will just being that Mara will be a, a pretty tough favorite in that race, so which will make everything else in the double pool pretty high. So judging and even with um, treason in the previous leg, I think you could still get eight to one on the double with Fev Rover. So again, race number eight, my best bet is win number four on Macedo at three to one or higher. And in race nine, it is a double six, seven with eight in the 10th leg, 10th race Fev Rover. And guys, I'm going to bring up one comment real quick, but um, Jim Pilar says for those watching with a smaller budget, Woodbine, being that they are in Canada, have 20 cent tries and 20 cent pick three, pick four, and pick five options. They pay pretty decently, as he's as Jim says, the pick the pay uh, pick fives pay really well for only being 20 cents. And there's favorite weekend bets, so that's one thing to keep in mind of why to play Woodbine is they do offer a little bit cheaper bets if your budget is a little bit lower than. Um, than other people like myself, as you guys all know out there. But, and then we'll end with a very nice comment from the boss. Cause as you, you take them as you get them, but he says he knows he's biased, but all the young guys, including Patrick, of course, of course we're including Patrick, but have come a long way since our first shows in January. And I could not agree more. Noah, you've done an absolutely great job tonight. Like I said, for your first podcast, couldn't even tell you were completely calm the whole way through. And I know, you want to get a job going into the horse racing industry. And, you know, this this might be a good resume builder for you. You did a great job tonight. So I just want to kind of – I want to bring that up right now. And then Charlie, obviously, and Patrick, when you listen to this, um, 
it's been a it's been a wild ride these past six months and oh, yeah. um, for the last 28 episodes you go back and want to watch the first few episodes i'll even say it for myself i was horrible <laughs> and obviously oh, i love the chaos of it though it was well, such a disaster but so much fun and i'm still you know i still don't uh hold some you know myself to high regards because i still i do with my you know i blame it on my add but with the stutters and all this stuff i try to get through it and um charlie with saying the horse is an it and not a he or she or the name is the downfall there and then patrick um with his little quirks as well but it's just what brings this show to life so it's all you guys out there and obviously we wouldn't have this show without you guys the fans and the listeners watching so thank you guys so much for viewing the show every week greatly appreciate it. darius darius under and thomas Mendoza. thank you guys all so much for the kind words i greatly appreciate it and guys everyone out there good luck to you for um saturday at woodbine for my co-host charlie freeman and noah maher this has been Kyle Roscoe in episode 28 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Good luck with all your bets on Saturday, and have a good night.